Welcome to the Ministry Collaborative Podcast. A series of honest conversations about opportunities, challenges, and joy in ministry today. I'm Adam Mixon, content curator. I'm Adam Borneman, program director. I'm Jennifer Maxell, program curator. And I'm Mark Ramsey, executive director of the Ministry Collaborative. A project of the Macedonian Ministry Foundation, the Ministry Collaborative nurtures a national network of pastors and congregations committed to faithful, creative, and courageous engagement in their communities. Every day, we are inspired by ministry leaders from across the country who are exploring possibilities, learning from broad perspectives, taking risks, and who are eager to join candid discussions that generate disruptive creativity. This is Jennifer Watley Maxell, and I am here with my colleagues, Adam Mixon and Anna Borneman. For the past few weeks, we have been having really in-depth conversations about wholeheartedness and what it means to be a wholehearted leader. And we've been um, mulling around this idea that the antidote to exhaustion is not rest, it's wholeheartedness, which is actually a quote by the poet David White. And so we've been talking about how wholeheartedness informs us in terms of a practice of rejuvenation and what that then means for us as leaders. And in discussing that, one of the things that we've been talking about is this idea of recovering identity. I happen to think that our call and who we are and what we do is rooted in God's purpose for our life, which is preceding our vocation. So really interested to just see what both of my colleagues think about this. So Adam Mixon, what do you think about this whole idea of recovering identity and call as um, something that is generative for us and something that precedes our vocation? I guess I will start by saying that I think that our identity is rooted in who God is and it is revealed when we are in right relationship with God And our purpose is the outworking of our identity. And it has to be in that order. To pursue purpose outside of this sacred relationship, the relationship we have with God, is to land in a place where you may be talented and productive, but ultimately always frustrated because you are not being what you were created to be or who you were created to be. And I don't know if that's how we live and how we function. Starting in this center of I am created in the image and likeness of God. That's who I am. What I do is an outworking of that. I don't know if we start like that. I don't know if many people start like that at all. But that's definitely where the starting point is for me. And I think most of the frustration that we find people encountering really stems from a misunderstanding of that identity. And if you're going to deal with present frustration, struggle, anxiety, discontentment, uh, whatever way that works out, you have to go back and do that root work. And the truth is there are a whole lot of people who discerned a call or thought they were discerning a call or whatever, but they end up in a crisis because the work that they're called to ultimately doesn't fulfill them or satisfy those yearnings. So it makes me want to always push back and say, okay, what did you hear? Yeah, how did you discern that? Yeah, and I think for me, when I think about identity, I go back to the call of Jeremiah. Mm. And the scripture says that before I formed you, I knew you. Mm -hmm. So that 
who we are, our identity is a priori, vocation, purpose, call, all of those categories. And that to me, it speaks to a certain authenticity of being. Mm. And I think that a lot of times vocationally, we operate in a space of kind of checking boxes and making sure that we're doing what the job requires, but are we bringing our full selves to the job? And so I think when we look at this quote that the antidote to exhaustion is wholeheartedness, it is then going back to this idea that wholeheartedness isn't even, I think, kind of walking in purpose. It is being who you are created to be. And for a lot of us, who we are created to be may not fit in the context where we serve. Adam Borderman, what do you think? I like how we have to keep distinguishing with last names. <laughs> also like your use of a priori, that was clutch. I was a philosophy major, so. I know, I was like, uh, uh, ah, uh, very nice. Maybe mix a little Latin in here, a little Latin, <laughs> little math. <laughs> to me, the place where identity and vocation intersects most fundamentally is just in being a human being. There's a quote that has stuck with me for a very long time. William Stringfellow, who was the early mid 20th century, late theologian, lawyer, civil rights activist, wrote a lot. And one of the things he said was that it occurred to him, he realized that he was called in the word of God to the vocation of being human. He says to be nothing more, nothing less and within the scope of the calling to be merely but truly human. Any work, including that of any profession, can be rendered a sacrament of that vocation. So I think one of the most catastrophic theological things that has happened in the church in the late 20th and early 21st century is the situating of vocation within profession. This idea that I can't really have a sense of call until I know who it is I'm supposed to be in the world. Mm -hmm. And my response to that is who you're supposed to be is a human being among human beings, which actually gets back to the whole passage about Jeremiah that you just read, Jennifer, which I'm so glad you did because it had not occurred to me that connection between being formed fundamentally as a human being. And that's where that calling starts. So. I think one of the real frustrations that most clergy face, and by the way, most lay people face too, is this crisis about what am I called to do? But if we could start with what you're called to do and to be as a human being who's been conformed to the image of the true human being, Jesus Christ, uh, we could avoid a lot of that unnecessary complexity and hand-wringing over about who we're supposed to be in the world. Yeah. yeah. I definitely resonate with that. And I'm going to match your quote with a quote of my own, which for people that know me know that I love Howard Thurman. He's my favorite theologian. And he has a quote, there's something in every one of you that waits and listens for the sound of the genuine in yourself. Mm. It is the only true God you will ever have. And if you cannot hear it, you will all your life spend your days on the ends of strings that somebody else pulls. And so when I think about this idea of authenticity, and when I I think about what you're talking about, Adam, in terms of being human, to me, it is our constant work to hear the sound of the genuine within ourselves, Mm. that that is the thing that keeps us from feeling that exhaustion, that keeps us from feeling that Um, malaise that keeps us from feeling as if we are a round peg in a square hole. Mm. That who we are, who we are created to be, has 
a power when we exercise that mm. in the world. And I think it is something about our Western forming, the way we are taught in Western religion, that there is this outside divinity that acts upon us as opposed to this inside divinity that is within us that then pushes us to act outwardly. And I think when we talk about justice, there's a distinction to be made between being just, doing justice, and being a just person. Yeah, it's actually interesting that you bring that up because while you were talking, I was thinking about how incredibly binding it is to not know or have a sense of who you are. I don't have the quotes that you and the other Adam have, but I do have an analogy that I use with the folks that I serve over here in Birmingham. I tell them you don't want to end up a butter knife because in the household that I grew up in and in many of the households of the people who surrounded us, everybody's household had a junk drawer and that one butter knife that was used for everything except for spreading butter. It was used as a screwdriver. It was used as a makeshift pry bar. Mm -hmm. It was used as a miniature saw. The tip on it was bent up and nicked up so you knew which one it was. But that butter knife, if it could talk, would say, stop using me. That is not what I was created to be. Mm -hmm. But many of us function like that butter knife. We're jammed into positions uh, where we are functional and capable we can do these things we may even have the aptitude for these things but it is not in line with who we were created to be so there's always this frustration there's always a bondage that follows the loss of identity there is no true freedom Mm -hmm. for the one who is not in touch with who they were created to be yeah identity and freedom are inextricably bound. If you don't know who you are, you will assume the yoke that somebody else designs for you. And oftentimes those things don't fit. Even if they are functional, they don't fit, which means that we don't have any joy. We don't have any peace. We have no real sense of contentment and any number of accomplishments. We got a long list of things that we've accomplished, but there is no celebration in it. There's no real joy in it because it's not who we are. We're acting. Sometimes who we are is a lot of different things. I just finished reading Daniel Epstein's book, Range, and it's a very compelling critique of how our culture insists on specialization and everything, and it's actually to our detriment that we need generalists, that we need Renaissance people, that we need folks who can do lots of different things. And he tells some amazing true stories about people who experimented with a lot of different roles in their life. And in the end, they become the most clear-headed people. They know who they are because they've been willing to be free and to experiment and explore all these different things. And I think that that's an important word for people who are in ministry as well, because we are constantly bombarded with this idea of you need to figure out who it is you're going to be, and you need to stick with that forever. And I think that gets back to, Adam, what you said about being bound. Yeah, yeah. I would say to that that there's this this idea of you have to know, you have to do this. But I think, again, with a different way of being, it is not the work that defines you. It's you who bring meaning to the work. Katie Cannon talks about doing the work our souls must have. 
And so I think it's a bit of a both and that the work that our soul must have then becomes the um, directional force that orients us. But even in that, you know, I've been doing a Bible study with a friend of mine lately. Where we've been looking at spiritual gifts and the way most of us think of spiritual gifts is like, I have this gift. I'm gifted at this. And that is what I do. But what you realize is that most of us have a bunch of spiritual gifts. There is a bunch of things that we are uniquely gifted to do, but there's also a bunch of things that even though that may not be our gift, we may have aptitude or acumen to do as well. I think one of the distinctions, Adam, that you made, though, is important, the difference between the work that your soul must have and the role that you must fulfill. Parker Palmer does a great job of distinguishing vocation, the role that we play and who we are and what we do. And I think as much as we can be authentic. So when we talk about wholeheartedness, I think the extent to which we can be authentic, I think about the fact that, you know, there are people in congregations who are sitting on gifts because they don't feel like the community where they are would be accepting as those gifts. And I think part of it is this misunderstanding that we have about the vocation of ministry, that at some point it became your job is to go and to manage this community that you've been placed into, as opposed to you are to go and transform this community, that your identity is not necessarily meant to bring comfort or to necessarily enable them to function the way they are, that part of who you are is meant to upset the status quo in this community. It's meant to shake up this community and to help them to more embody the image of Christ in that particular location. And so I think as we as individuals become more comfortable with our identity and, you know, Adam, I think you're right. I mean, I don't know that there's a whole lot of identity formation that we go through outside of just kind of our own normal processes of life and the stages of growth and everything. But when you look at the way we're trained, it's all vocation, you know, based, call based, but how much of it is really gifts and identity based? Yeah. It's not surprising that I learned most of my lessons from my family. And one lesson I learned particularly from my daughter is that you were talking about, you know, the sense of going into a community, serving, meeting their expectations where they are, rather than entering those spaces with a type of mind toward creative disruption. And I've watched my daughter go from high school into college in her third year, and she keeps this really eclectic group of people around her. I mean, just running the spectrum of differences in beliefs and philosophies and lifestyles. And because she's really truly herself, she's not one of those people who change based upon who's around her. And she expressed to me a sentiment that I'm probably quoting her wrong. I'm probably putting it in my own words, where when you learn to be authentic, um, while it's disturbing to people initially, it becomes an act of grace because it holds space for other people to bring their true selves and to operate in who they really are. And I think we rob ourselves of that by cramming ourselves into these roles or assuming these roles, not bringing our full selves because we show people this is what following God looks like. It's rigid, it's stiff, you're stuck into the, instead of it's 
being something that's liberating and freeing and affirming and allows you to live upward and outward in ways that you never imagined. Yeah, I think it's incredibly powerful to come to the realization. I always say that one of the blessings for me is I accepted my call late in life, my call to the ministry. I accepted my call in seminary. I started seminary first at the age of 40, so I know who I was. And there have been times in ministry where people have asked me to do things or people have asked me to do things in a certain way. But because of my age and stage, you know, I'm like, no, I can't do that because that's not who I am. Whereas when we're much younger, you know, we may not have that type of knowledge or confidence even to be able to assert that. I think the other thing, though, is, again, it goes back to this idea that we've kind of been sold this theology that we're all random lumps of clay that have been shaped by the potter, but we've all been turned into the same shape. And while we all are these random lumps of clay, we have not been formed the same way. And so I think the level to which we can own our own unique formation, that then does become a gift that we give to other people where we invite them to be their fullest expression of self. I mean, think about it. That's pretty radical. I mean, most of us, I will say for me, you know, growing up in church, there was a certain look, a certain way you acted, a certain way you did. And so I think now for us to be able to really confront that, particularly in an age of dislocation where there's so much that is up for grabs, this is an opportunity for us to kind of reclaim. Yeah. The idea that right now we're having this talk, it's already disorienting. But when you're dealing in an environment where things are so fraught with change and instability, where people want to get back to something that is familiar, this type of talk is, it is radical. Thank you for listening to the Ministry Collaborative Podcast. Our producer is Marthame Sanders. To find out more about us and our work of cultivating leadership that makes a difference in congregations and communities, visit our website at www.ministrycollaborative.org. 